0: Welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension, I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. Is your throat
1: clear? Why? Because you didn't clear your throat before you said hello this time. Which do, do I usually? Yeah, because I always have to, when I do the editing, I always have to edit it out. Oh. At the beginning of the show. And I was like, what's going on? How's he going to last this whole whole hour? Well,
0: I've been drinking bacon grease for the last <laughs> few hours, and it uh, feels pretty lubed up. Yeah. So I, I think we're imagine. good. But uh, anyway, so... Um, uh, some quick announcements. Um, of course, we're still doing the top hundred directors thing. So, uh, list your not your ten favorite, but the ten directors that you think are the best, and email them to me, Tyler at Battleshippretension dot com, and only to me. Yes. All right, I'm compiling them, and I'm going. And the response has been great. So, thanks everybody uh, so far. Um, so that's the, that's one thing. Um, anybody who makes a donation of ten dollars or more. For the foreseeable future, you will you will be emailed the first forty episodes of Battleship yeah. Pretension, which are not currently available except and for a couple you, guest episodes.
1: If you happen to make a donation of ten dollars, excuse me, of ten dollars or more, and you don't want yeah the thing, you email Tyler and let him know, hey, I, yeah. I already have these, or I just don't care. And you are going to get, and more you know what? Here is what you will get: you'll get an email from me saying
0: that's real nice of you, buddy. Thanks.
1: <laughs> so that said, between the directors' thing. Mm -hmm. And this thing, you've been getting a lot of emails lately, specifically to your battleship pretension email.
0: I have. Hang on one second. A special thanks to the guys at Slash Film for having me on to Mm -hmm. talk about Kevin Smith's Red State. You can go over to Slash Film and you can hear all about it.
1: And also a big thanks to Bill Dwyer, Benny Arthur, Lorraine Newman, and Paul Goebel, and everyone who came out to... um We already
0: thanked them all. We thanked them uh, last week. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Did we? When, yeah. yeah. Now it's the actual. <laughs> yeah. Now for real. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it actually went pretty darn well. I think a good a good turnout.
0: Yeah, and everyone seemed to have uh, everyone the the audience and the performers seemed to have fun, and that's that's my big concern. It's one thing I've
1: been really proud of since we started doing the live shows, um, we uh, Battleship Pretension fans are apparently a good comedy audience. Like mm-hmm. they really give it up for yeah for I mean we, we do we tend to mix styles in in comics during the show you know yeah. and everyone rolls with it and has a good time and finds it funny and it's always it's always a fun atmosphere it was more fun back when we could give away free beer but it's well, still fun
0: yeah yeah it's pretty well i was gonna say pretty dry i guess that works both ways
1: <laughs> so um but no did you know that in missouri where okay. we're from
0: uh slow down i'm not from there. where we met okay
1: not only are there no dry counties or cities in missouri state law prohibits any local government from banning alcohol within its uh, that's, confines.
0: It's very exciting. That is a, that is a drunken state. Is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah. The, I, uh, the, basically I got talked to by a cop the other day for drinking wine at Elysian park, <laughs> which I technically kind of knew was against the law here, but didn't take seriously. Cause I grew up in a place where everyone can drink in a public park. So it, led me to go home and look up the alcohol laws in the state of Missouri and apparently Missouri is uh, one of the most permissive states in the Union when it comes to alcohol it's uh, it's okay for a passenger to have an open open container in a car interesting uh, um, as long as the driver's not drunk hmm. I guess um, it is okay for minors to drink if they are in the uh, under the watch of a parent or guardian that's interesting I didn't know that yeah it, it's
0: Huh. It's pretty permissive. The stuff that inspires you to get involved, <laughs> you know, it really fascinates <laughs> There's me. There's
1: also notice that you cannot be arrested for public intoxication anywhere in Missouri. If you're drunk and disorderly, you right. can be dire- arrested. But the mere act of being drunk in public is not against the law anywhere in Missouri.
0: And, you know, that's it's interesting because I, as, as, as uh, listeners know, I don't drink. I've never been drunk. And so I don't think about this sort of thing. And I don't know a lot of people that get, like, you know, heavy drunk on a regular basis. And so uh, I actually only recently learned that you can get, in certain places, you can get arrested simply for being drunk in public. And I remember thinking, like, that seems unfair to me. (laughs) That seems wrong. You know? Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. uh, I don't care for public drunks, but. I'm not sure if they should be arrested. Drunk and disorderly, of course. Yeah. The, I, how about this? Sober and disorderly. I think disorderly <laughs> is the common that denominator. Yeah.
1: But uh, yeah, so that's that's interesting to me. So okay. yeah, if you wanna if you want to drink, come to come to Missouri. Yeah. In fact, Kansas City <laughs> was that the that was the slogan for yes. a while, right? Kansas City, uh, a city I usually bag on because I'm from the the better side of the state. But Kansas City has an entertainment district about nine blocks, about the size of say the Gaslamp District in San mm-hmm. Diego. Uh, where uh, it is okay to walk the streets with an open container. Hmm. As long as, this is the weird thing, it has to be in a plastic cup, and the cup has to bear the name of the pl- of the bar you bought it. Unlike in New Orleans, where is it that- just has to be in a plastic cup, but then it, it doesn't have to say where it came from. But in this Kansas City, in this one nine-block area... Why plastic? I think because glass is dangerous, okay. and can break, and cause... Okay, for People armed enough. by breaking.
0: Okay, which it undoubtedly will because there's a lot of drunks yeah. running it's the sort streets. sort
1: of, in, in St. Louis, uh, I don't know if this is an official law, but on St. Patrick's Day in the Dogtown part of St. Louis, they have a big sort of parade and they block off some streets. And uh, they won't stop you for carrying a drink or bringing your own cooler and sitting down the street and just walking around this neighborhood with a drink mm-hmm. as long as it's not glass. You can have uh, plastic cups or you can have aluminum cans, but no glass bottles.
0: Fascinating. Do you, I, I find. I, I, when I say fascinating, I'm not being like condescending or, or glib or anything. I do find this sort of thing fascinating.
1: Me, too. That's why I spent most of Sunday evening <laughs> uh, <laughs> allaying my anger at the cops who <laughs> made me dump out the rest. It was a pretty good bottle of wine, too. Um, Fruit of the vine. Yeah. Uh, me dump out the rest of it. I, I allayed my anger by. Mm-hmm researching missouri's uh alcohol laws (laughs) your your frustration
0: was overwhelmed by your general interest
1: also another thing about kansas city we'll move on okay uh in practice in effect prohibition never really happened in kansas city Hmm. it was such a pro like drinking state that they just didn't enforce it really Hmm. and then um carrie nation or was it carrie nations she was a uh uh, abstinence crusader whatever Mm -hmm. Staged a thing where she went into a Kansas City bar and started breaking bottles. Of course, she was arrested and fined $500, which is roughly $13,000 today. Oh, wow. And the judge said, okay, you don't have to pay the fine as long as you agree to leave Missouri and never come back. (laughs) <laughs> That's a true story, isn't that awesome? So it makes Kansas City has risen in my estimation. Now, while I am
0: uh, against prohibition, uh, I will say everything about that just reeks of old school corruption, doesn't it? <laughs>
1: just, yeah, yeah. The, well, you, know, like you those... wonder why, like if you look at like casino and stuff, they, and and these movies, like. They talk about the mob in Kansas City, and I always wondered, like, yeah. why did they put down roots in Kansas City of all places? And I think that probably happened during Prohibition.
0: Probably, And but it's a chicken-or-the-egg thing. Like, uh, did mobsters go there because it was very permissive, or maybe did it get more permissive once it was filled with criminals?
1: Yeah, yeah. most of the reason uh, I learned that Missouri's alcohol laws are so permissive is— because Budweiser's influence goes mm. way, way back. It's over a century old. And, and uh, Between the Budweiser plant in St. Louis and the wineries in the what's known as the Missouri-Rhineland area, uh, Missouri is the uh, largest alcohol-producing state in the Union. Hmm.
0: That Henry Budweiser, he, uh, <laughs> he was pretty powerful. Sure. He had a lot of friends. Sure. All right. So here we go, everybody. Okay. All right. <laughs>
1: All right. So I mentioned before that... Um, Uh, You've been getting a lot of emails, more than usual, because of the things. And we appreciate it. Mm -hmm. You know, keep voting. uh, Keep not wanting those first 40 episodes. (laughs) But no, mostly keep voting. Uh, They've been mostly from the people voting for the directors. Yes. Uh, Keep doing that. Send your list of the top ten to Tyler at com. Uh, but there's been a... a buy- here, you know what? I'll let you take it from here. All right. So I talked for I've, 10 minutes about the <laughs> the public alcohol laws in Missouri.
0: That's all right. Okay, it's, it's perfectly okay with me because part of me is... I'm not really sure. Even though I wrote this thing, I'm not really sure how to lead up to it. But uh, this is in response to a few... Several emails that I've gotten just to, recently, but also it kind of speaks to stuff in the last year or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I wrote this... Because I I wanted to make sure I because if I, I kinda was flying by the seat of my pants, like I feel like I might go too far in one direction or the other. So I wanted sure. to make sure I had this worked out. So I'm gonna be reading this thing. Okay. It's uh about a page and a quarter. So okay. All right, here we go. <clears throat> there's the uh There we go. There's th- okay. You can cut that out if you want. <laughs> All right. When you run a podcast, you get all sorts of feedback, most of it positive. There's some negative, of course, but it's usually not that big of a deal. Sometimes we'll go off on too many tangents, or we'll have a guest that people don't like, or the sound quality could be better. Constructive criticism about a specific episode, or the show in general, gives us cues about how we can make the show better. From time to time, however, there will be a series of emails or tweets or Facebook comments that have a slightly different tone. It usually starts with a complaint, which we can handle. But then it morphs into something a bit more frustrating. It acquires a subtle air of entitlement. Rather than merely lodging a complaint, the listener will bluntly tell us what we should or shouldn't do. I know that I can be a little prickly when it comes to negative feedback. I like to think that I've gotten a little better with that in the last few months, but I still have some neurotic moments to be sure. However... What starts to really bother me, uh, what starts to really bother me is when our listeners presume to dictate to us how we should run our show. David, stop talking about screenings. Tyler, stop talking about religion. Both of you, keep politics out of the show and <laughs> cool it with the guest episodes. I do understand that a person can come to feel as though they are owed something when they devote hours upon hours to a specific thing, be it a television show, a band or yes, a podcast. When a show starts to make a change that a loyal listener doesn't like, they feel somehow betrayed. And as we learned from the General's Daughter, betrayal is the worst thing there is. Worse even than rape. The feeling of betrayal can cause a person to then lash out. I know this feeling because I have felt it myself. And yes, I have done exactly what I'm talking about. There is no judgment here because I'd be pointing the finger at myself. I will say, though... Excuse me. What I will say, though, is that one of the amazing things about podcasts is that it is largely obligation-free. While there may be a few pay podcasts out there, the majority of them are free, supported only by the generous donations of our listeners. However, the listeners are not required to donate in order to hear the show. If they were, it would cease to be a donation. As such, any donation made is one that the listener chooses to make. So while we do appreciate your donations, we sh- uh, you should feel no specific obligation to pay. Nor should you feel an obligation to listen. If there is a specific episode that you don't like, there is no rule that says you need to listen to it from beginning to end. If there are several episodes in a row that you don't care for, that is unfortunate. Just imagine that it's the first few episodes of the second season of Friday Night Lights and try to pretend that they never happened. Chances are we'll get back to something you do like eventually. And hey, in the meantime, you haven't been required to give us any money. And that's a good thing too, because that means that David and I are not obligated to do i'm sorry and that's a good thing too, because David and I are not obligated to do any uh, to do any show but the one we want to do. We welcome feedback of all kinds because we have no desire to be self indulgent that might not be true uh, and we want to put out the best possible show we can but make uh, but make no mistake this is our show uh, if you want to have a specific uh, if you want to have a specific I'm sorry, if we want to have on a specific guest or several, uh, then that's what we're going to do. We appreciate our listeners and we want to make them happy, but there is a difference between being a listener and being a producer. A listener makes requests and suggestions while a producer makes demands. We'll listen to requests all day long. A demand, however, will get you this. And believe me, nobody wants this, least of all me. Now, on with the show. Our show.
1: <laughs> well done. I like the end there. Um, uh, you know, when you said you had written something, I thought it was because you wanted your words to be really precise and cutting. But really, you wanted to not fly off the handle. Yes. And I think you did a good job of making a, a point that I uh, back 100%. Oh, good. Um, without doing what I would have done, <laughs> which is to... Uh, I don't even know if I would have uh, done it on the air. I would have replied specifically to each one of those emails with something like, go fuck yourself. (laughs) Yeah. But I don't mean that. I'm glad that everyone... I'm glad that those people are listening. Well, you know, it goes back to, like, anybody who
0: listens to More Than One Lesson may notice that in the episodes themselves, and actually on the blog, uh, there is no, I'm sorry to put it this way, there's no, like, rated R language. Like, there's no... There's really not a lot of profanity at all. It has nothing to do with the fact that I don't that i don't like profanity i'm fine with it i swear on this show frequently but when it comes right down to it this is for a christian audience and it's not that i'm afraid of offending them it's that i don't want to give them a reason a a superficial reason not to listen and not Mm -hmm. to pay attention to what i'm saying if like i could be saying something that i really care about and i think someone could get something out of and they could have a problem with it but when it comes right down to it if they have a problem with it i want them to be able to articulate the actual problem and not just be like well there's a lot of language in this show it's like well that doesn't help the conversation and so i specifically wanted to keep like profanity out of this and a certain tone out of this because i feel like this is an important an important thing to say and i didn't want to be rude because i don't think there isn't i don't think one needs to inherently be rude when communicating this and if you are it gives something. It gives people something they can latch on to in order to dismiss the whole thing. And so, I wanted to make sure that I was very polite, and of course, hopefully, I didn't offend anybody. But hopefully, I did make some people
1: think. Okay. Well, you know, um, we're re- little peek behind the cur- curtains. We're going to be recording two episodes tonight because we're we're both going to be out of town. Yeah. At our normal recording time next week, or one of us will be out of town during the recording time. Uh, I don't go out of town until the next day, which is why I didn't mention it. This isn't a today.
0: leisurely trip. It's a business trip, and I had to be gone at a certain
1: time. I know. I'm just saying, you know, Battleship Retention is your business as well. You could have uh, let me know, so we could David, have David, as I've
0: made very clear, we don't get paid for this, so this is not my business. <laughs>
1: um, so be- because uh, uh, Tyler will be in Boston and I will be in New Orleans, um, we won't be able to record next week, so we're doing two tonight. Mm-hmm. So we're going to, I think keep things moving right it's so already 16 minutes in which like back in the early days that would have been like about the normal time to move into the new yeah but now i feel like if we're moving into the topic less than 25 minutes into the show it's worth noting
0: yeah we're cheating somebody <laughs> oh wait no we're not
1: <laughs> uh so we talked about this last week it came up and we decided to go ahead and remember it unlike every other topic we've ever thought of during the show and actually do it the next week um and this is something that is uh, very important distinction something I spend uh too much time talking thinking about maybe uh the difference between what is offensive and what is merely shocking mm-hmm. so let 's get into it shall we um i uh i i will give a couple examples there's a, a of recent films um, um there's a film out called the guard mm hmm with uh brennan gleason that i think is ultimately very good though it stumbles early on um but definitely worth seeing and a lot of fun to see but that also like i mean yeah i'm gonna just tell what happens in the first scene if you consider that a spoiler then you probably need to have more things to think about in your life um But the first scene, he's, uh... F- he's, a uh, Brennan Gleeson is a cop who has fallen asleep in his car when he's supposed to be, like, doing radar or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? And, um... A car... A speeding car full of drunken, high teenage boys blows past him and then wipes out, and, uh, like, all four of the boys in the car are dead immediately. Oh, my. He walks up to one of the dead bodies, reaches into the pockets, and pull- pulls out a bunch of different drugs, and, and he says, uh... Oh your mother wouldn't like this, and he throws he throws most of the drugs into the ocean and then he takes a hit of acid and uh then the movie starts <laughs> and like I feel like that that sort of um uh nonchalance around a dead kid, yeah, um not to mention the you know flouting of the law by an officer of the law I think mm-hmm. that's I think that's what they call irony. It was probably intentional on in the screenwriter's part. Um, but that could be seen... That could upset people. Mm-hmm. I think it's intentionally in there to upset people, like of a lot of other stuff that happens in that movie. Um, but is it offensive or is it just shocking? You know? Um, right. And when doing research for this, I found that, like, these terms that I've come up with, offensive versus shocking, are not what most people... Most people seem to... Do offensive and shocking is one thing, and then the stuff that I think of as shocking often gets put under like uh, gross-out comedy or, right. or that kind of thing. So, um, but for these purposes, basically the main difference is offensive is stuff I like, and shocking is stuff that I don't like. <laughs> but we will go into what I mean by them. I think
0: that is, yeah, that's interesting. I'm I'm interested already because I think you and I might actually have slightly different uh, interpretations of what those words mean in in this context
1: well I think um you know uh I think the at the root they're the same I think it more has to do with context and intention I think something that is offensive is intentionally trying to get you to confront how you feel about something Mm. you know um like I think that um there are things that too many people, uh, obviously I know that there are things to many people about the last temptation of Christ that is very offensive. And I, uh, think it would be naive to say that the, the guy who wrote the novel, I can't remember his long Greek name, right? Um, cause it's very long and very Greek. Uh, um, you can't get Greeker than that. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, I think it would be naive to say that he didn't foresee that, or maybe even intend to upset people with that. Okay. Yes. Um, but that's not, I don't think that's a, that's a cheap ploy, you know? Right. And I think maybe this is the reason why in my youth I was drawn to uh like punk rock mm-hmm. songs because, you know, the The Ramones have a very funny song called Loudmouth Baby that's about basically my girlfriend better shut up or I'm going to punch her, <laughs> which is like not it's intentionally a f- like uh, you know what's a better uh a better example is the Vandals have a song called Slap of Love that's about how, uh, it's sung very earnestly from a pro spousal abuse point of view, mm. but it's all meant, to, it's all exaggerated and meant to be sarcastic as a way of,
0: uh, you of, had of, me, of, then you lost me, of
1: illustrating how, how headed that is. Yeah. And like, that's why I was drawn to those things. And that song slap of love, people find even fr- friends that I would, I would have it playing in my car and friends of mine would be upset by it when I was in high, in high school. Um, that's why I'm drawn to those sort, that sort of thing. And so I don't think that aiming to offend is a low or base goal. I think it can actually be, lead to uh, art and intellectual discussion of the highest order. Whereas something... Uh, I'm looking at some... So excited, you made notes? <laughs> yeah, another, another recent film, um, The Change-Up, which is horrible okay um has things in it that are just meant to be gross and you're just supposed to laugh at how gross they are Mm -hmm. and sometimes they actually are gross like a baby projectile shitting into jason bateman's mouth Uh. and then sometimes they're uh offensive and misogynistic or like the idea Mm -hmm. that um uh a woman is very beautiful until you see the rest of her and you realize she's pregnant and a pregnant woman is gross and that's supposed to and then like the sight of a naked pregnant woman for like a full two minutes is uh, supposed to be uh, hilarious because it's so disgusting is that really
0: I've not seen the movie but and I mean they say that uh, you know like when your wife uh, or your girlfriend gets pregnant it's like the most beautiful thing you've ever seen and I've not experienced that but is that really the... But I've never heard anybody say, that's the most disgusting thing I've ever seen.
1: Well... That, it, does that I, seem... That really is the, the attitude? The, I don't know that... I don't know that that part of the, that part of the change-up I didn't think was funny or effective. And maybe okay. it's because that way of thinking doesn't hold any water. But that's what they were trying to do. They were just trying to be gross and make you laugh. There's a part in a movie that literally no one has thought about in 10 years. Uh, it's called Tomcats, and it stars... <laughs> Jerry O'Connell and Horatio Sands. There's a part where a guy has an like a uh, is like a an infected or cancerous testicle that he has to have removed. Okay. And the testicle gets loose in the hospital and it's bouncing around sliding around the place and it ends up in the cafeteria and somebody takes a bite out of it. Now what is that what are they
0: First off, what I'm is the pretty point? sure ACDC song aside. I don't think they're that bouncy.
1: Like, I don't think they're
0: like a Super Bowl or something like that.
1: You don't know how a cancerous one behaves. <laughs> you know what? Fair Cancer enough. could be bouncy.
0: It's pretty rubbery, as we all know. Um, oh. So this
1: is what I'm talking about, the difference between uh, uh, offensive and shocking. I think something that's shocking is basically just gross, where something that is actually offensive um, speaks to something deeper and, uh, and, and more rooted in the viewer and also has more of a point. I'll let you talk now.
0: Okay. Uh, it is interesting so far uh, what you've been saying because, and that does, sort of, that does sort of fit with my definition. Shocking is, I mean, it sort of defines itself. It's something that is meant to jar you, and that's basically it. There's really nothing behind it. Uh, offensive usually has a philosophy. Uh, but it's interesting because I inherently associate the word offensive with something bad. I mean, most people do, but I think of it as something that shouldn't necessarily be cheered. And here's why, because oddly enough, like if something is truly offensive, it's offensive to everybody and that's because there's something wrong about it. If something starts being offensive in order to make you think better of it, I feel like it ceases to be offensive at that point. You know what
1: I mean? I guess. I guess. Does that, I, I, guess the I word feel like I'm not expressing has myself. A, has a connotation, but I guess, But I mean, the thing I'm thinking of is just that it offends someone's sensibility. Just basically that it upsets them. Maybe upsetting is the word I should have used. Possibly. Um, but look, I mean, what about a movie like Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer? Mm-hmm. Um, I think, based on the way that the public thinks about someone who murders people mm-hmm. the idea of humanizing him mm-hmm. in such an unblinking way is offensive right and that's why henry is
0: but that's that's a good kind of offensive
1: yeah and that's and i think but the, there's bad
0: kinds of offensive as well but
1: it, Okay, tell, tell me the bad kind of offensive, and I, and I feel like that's going to fit more into my shocking thing.
0: Well, you brought up Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, so, of course, you watch any of the, uh, you know, not any, but a lot of the slasher films in the 80s, and they're not merely shocking. There is something that is being communicated, whether it be consciously or unconsciously, that is a little misogynistic. That is a philosophy, an offensive philosophy. You know what? They You're may not, right. yes. They may not mean to do it, but they are. And that is offensive in a completely... Uh, unproductive way and so I so that's when I think of offensive I think of that like Henry portrait of a serial killer I think like I guess it starts as offensive but it's nothing inherently offensive there's no nothing offensive about the philosophy of humanizing somebody that is ostensibly a monster to
1: most people that movie is offensive all the way through to their sensibilities I
0: suppose no I mean yes I know that But I that. see
1: you're you're adding a dimension that I hadn't thought of but is absolutely true the unintentionally offensive. Yeah. The irresponsible or the hateful you know um like um I I I know I've brought up this up as an example before but the um the attempts at comic relief in Michael Bay's films offend me because so many of them are based on racial stereotypes, absolutely and just exaggerated to their most extreme. In, in a lot of cases, yeah, and, and I, that's offensive to
0: me. And I found myself, um, yeah, I found myself thinking back to our conversation with Rob and Barry and talking about various films that they may be. And there was an interesting uh, discussion that happened on the forum uh, as a result of that episode, in which they talked about. The difference between like perpetuating a stereotype and then using a sort of shorthand, and at this point, the shorthand exists long pa- long after the stereotype uh, has sort of faded from memory. As far as like what you know, like stereotypes of like what a what a Jew is and that mm-hmm. sort of thing, and so now there is a certain idea of there. There's just a type of character. It's almost like when you watch those, uh, you watch like Tiny Toon Adventures or Animaniacs, and you see. A Peter Lorre type character. Mm-hmm. No one at this point, the character exists long after people even know who Peter Lorre is. Mm-hmm. Like there is a there is a type, an archetype, and so that I'm not sure if I totally agree with that, but I that's an interesting point of view. And so, uh, so yeah, like you you watch movies that they're not trying to do anything. Shocking, and that, and oddly enough, I I view shocking as not a positive term, but not a wholly negative term either, because sometimes you need to shock somebody in order to say something. Whereas offensive, sometimes I feel like is just can I don't know if if somebody doesn't do it well, then let's say they their their intention is to shock is to offend, um, but if they don't do it well, then it it doesn't it doesn't stimulate conversation. It's just, it just equals out to them being maybe contrarian or something like that. But, um,
1: I don't yeah, know. It's, and I think that probably goes back to a lot of punk rock music. Is, uh, yeah, probably. Is contrarian. Um, but I do think, uh, I want to give some examples maybe of stuff that is, uh, that is shocking, but it serves a purpose. And I think the purpose is to, Disarm,
0: maybe. Okay, that's a good way of phrasing it.
1: Um, and something like I don't think you've uh, sat down and actually watched this movie, uh, but I have, uh, and that's um, sallow. Oh, right. Oh, no, my yes, no. You did? Were you not invited? I you
0: were, think you. I think you invited me, and I think we, for my, any number of reasons that I made up, I didn't go.
1: My ex-girlfriend and I both wanted to see it, and we thought, well, the way to Let's make it a fun thing, and let's invite a bunch of people over and have like a sort of, essentially like a party or a get together, like a small party.
0: Have a have a sallow party. <laughs> essentially a sallow. But here's the thing: party. be careful if you go, if you see one of those on Craigslist, <laughs> yeah. it might not be what you think.
1: And we, you know, we'll all get together, we'll hang out, we'll have some drinks, or we'll bring snacks, and then once like, once everyone's ready. We'll sit down and we'll watch Sallow. Time to get to business. And it and it worked. It was much easier to take with a group of other people, who mm-hmm. most of whom hadn't seen it before. Mm-hmm. Um, but also like the people who had seen it before, and like really, you came to it like you already knew what you were in for. Like, well, maybe you they wanted to see it again. Maybe they weirdo. saw it
0: by themselves last time, and <laughs> they needed to cleanse the right. palate a little bit. And
1: but a movie, a movie like that, I'm not sure that it can be necessarily said to offend someone's sensibilities or long held beliefs other than the belief that people shouldn't be kidnapped and forced to eat shit or something, you know? Yeah. Uh, but it is, but I think it does use it's, it's shock. And maybe, you know, disarm isn't even the right word with that one. It's like, it's almost like it uses the shock. It doesn't want to take any chances about its message. It's like, right. I have a message to say about um, like this type of government, Mm -hmm. and uh, I am going to drill it into your head for two hours straight. Yeah, with you know, no subtlety or stopping to ask if you're okay or if you're taking all this in. Right. Like, I just want to make sure you get it. You get what I mean. And it's, and it says it in the most forceful way po- possible. And that's what, that's what I feel like. It's not necessarily offensive, but it is shock used, uh, for a respectable purpose.
0: Yeah. And yeah. And so what I, one thing that I do want to talk about, and I, I touched on a little bit is that with both terms, neither of them is, is inherently bad. um, often people will try to offend maybe for some for the wrong reason or they go about it in the wrong way and it winds up just being dumb. Um, and much in the same way as with shock, sometimes people want to shock somebody into something. Other times they just want to shock somebody because, like, let's see how crazy I can get and now people will be talking about this and that's uh, that's all. They just want their film to be talked about.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but, uh, you know, I think some people would look at... a. F- uh, and, and actually, in thinking about my views on, on this topic, because we've been thinking about it for a few days now, uh, I was thinking like, okay, offensive is bad, shocking is okay. And I think some people would view one as bad as one or one as good or both of them bad. But I think I think, much like anything else, the idea of uh, being offensive and the idea of shocking, it's it, they're really just tools uh, that can help you communicate uh, mm-hmm. a message.
1: But now I, I want to talk, uh, I, I hate to, I feel like such a square going back to the punk rock thing over and mm-hmm. over again, but there's, there's something to contrarianism for contrarianism's sake. If it's not self-serving, like you're talking about this thing, this idea, someone wants to be shocking to get attention. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, what if it's really just a... It, if it comes from an honestly misanthropic place, does that make it valid? And I feel like the... the And this isn't necessarily misanthropic, because I actually think John Waters is quite a huge I was about to say John Waters! But P- Pink Flamingos is <laughs> an unrelentingly shocking film. Have you watched that one, at least? I have
0: seen part of it. I've seen the last, I think, half hour of it. Okay. So I saw the uh eating of
1: uh yeah the eating of the dog shit which the, re- is, the
0: real dog shit by the way
1: yeah and th- and like that's kind of shocking but that's nowhere near the most horrendous thing that happens in that movie okay um i do you know
0: like, i do know that a couple destroys a chicken i believe okay, right okay yeah through sex
1: uh-huh um those are the, those are the but like there's a couple in the movie a different couple who Their thing is that they kidnap women, rape them, and get them pregnant, and then sell the babies. That's how they make their living. But they don't even rape them. They have a guy that they keep in the basement whose job is to rape and impregnate women. (laughs) A stud, it sounds like. But he hates his job. And so at one point, he masturbates into his palm and then takes a syringe and (laughs) and picks up the, the, uh, (laughs) the semen and injects it into a woman. That's the thing that happens in that movie. And see, that's, that movie is... How long is that syringe? <laughs> that movie is, what, almost uh, 40 years old now. Really? And, I thought it was, like, early 80s. Let's look it up. I think it's 72, 73. Oh, my gosh. And, that uh, film's almost respectable. And that's what I'm saying is, like, <laughs> I almost felt embarrassed describing that scene to you because it's so shocking.
0: Yeah, what, but that's, let me ask you this. Okay, you started laughing as you were saying it, almost out of embarrassment. Yeah. I started laughing as well because it's not merely shocking. It's not merely offensive. It is outrageous. The fact of it yeah, is out. 72, wow. Yeah. That's, man, that's crazy. Okay, yeah, 40 years. That's insane. Um, it's outrageous. There's, and oddly enough, I feel like there is a bit of a philosophy behind outrageous about just wanting to shake people to their core by showing them something that is silly. It's horrendous, but it's a, the, everything about John Waters is silly as well. Um, and sort of shaking people to their core by being like, Bet you never saw this. Yeah. Uh-huh. What do you think of that? You don't know what you think, do you? And, and I'm not sure if I can get on board with it, but somehow but, I can't totally condemn it.
1: The thing, well, I think the thing about John Waters and the thing that makes his films um especially things like pink flamingos work is that like i said he's a humanist like he actually as awful as the characters are or as awful the things they do are he embraces all of humanity and he loves people for their weirdness and that that warmth and that actual sense of old-fashioned values mm. <laughs> like it re- i mean he there's a reason i mean he he uh if you look at um uh polyester which is one of his greatest films i think mm-hmm. um it's a it's like a sitcom couple except uh, a sitcom type family um except that it has all this john water they do all this john waters type stuff right. in it as well uh and that thing which seems like it should clash actually works very well for him mm-hmm. because he's not trying to uh, he, he obviously is uh using the juxtaposition but he's not trying to make you marvel at how different a look at the way things were in the fifties and look at what we can do now. He's actually trying to show you how it's all a part of the same humanity. And that's why it works.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I can't think of any care of any director who loves, who genuinely loves his characters more than John Waters. Mm -hmm. His characters are absolute misfits. In some cases, one could say they're monstrous, (laughs) but he still loves them. And, but of course, uh, loving your characters doesn't necessarily mean polishing them up so they look great some could say that if you love something you or love a person you want to you see them as they are
1: yeah that's why i always said when i was a kid we were gonna have people over and i'm gonna make me clean all day i'd be like but it's family this is the people you shouldn't have to clean for they should love us for who we are oh that was just me trying to get out of cleaning of course yes and of course and
0: and as we've gotten older i'm sure you've seen that oh no family's by far the most judgmental (laughs) of all the people (laughs) you'll ever know
1: exactly so um now uh this talk of I'm, i'm glad we touched on john waters and talked about how great he is um not Do you think about, he's universally great? By the way,
0: like oh, he's I, made
1: some really bad movies.
0: Right. I mean, I enjoy Cecil B. Demented. I enjoy Serial Mom. Serial
1: Mom's awesome.
0: I feel like I've seen one or two others, but, but like I, a,
1: a Dirty Shame that was really bad. I heard that was horrible. Um, and uh, I don't know. I, I think some people defend Pecker, and I like. Oh, I one I, it saw when I was Pecker younger as younger. Well. Yeah, yeah. Because I think if you see it when you're younger and you're not as familiar with John Waters whole history it seems mm-hmm. better than it is but once you know more of his films pecker doesn't actually hold up that well yeah um but i think even in his bad films this humanism persists oh yeah um now i want to talk about a movie. a i'm not even sure what to say say to it because it's the only mo- i've got two columns here in my notes okay offensive and shocking this is the only movie that's in both of them oh good because it's not a good movie but it is the best and most personal movie this director ever made, you haven't guessed it, I guarantee. Okay. It's Uwe Boll's Postal.
0: Oh, all right. Enjoy. Okay, go ahead.
1: is, again, not a good movie, and I don't want to come across as if I'm recommending it in that sense, but in another sense, it is something that I think deserves to be seen because there's not a lot of other stuff like it. Mm -hmm. It is... um, uh so just brazenly gleefully chaotically misanthropic that it's it's clearly a, a statement he's making i mean <clears throat> sometimes his his attempts at uh, at stuff are just like uh just gross just like someone Either getting killed in a gross way, or or just or dumb things like a guy using a cat as a silencer. Uh,
0: yes, that's that's very sad to me.
1: Except for the, the cat is fine at the end of it. It's not a realistic movie. He shoves his gun. Uh, he picks up the cat, shoves the gun up the cat's anus. Yeah, shoots it. Shoots the guy twice through the mouth, and then pulls the cat off, and the cat meows and runs away.
0: That's pretty funny, <laughs> actually. Pretty funny. Now, I, kinda, I, I I just totally uh, flipped on that. But
1: there's also like a. Uh, I think it's a a robbery at an amusement park that goes wrong that turns into a shootout mm-hmm. that turns into like a five-minute montage of little kids getting shot <laughs> like there's just like squibs everywhere like they're, these kids are just getting shot left and right and it's uh so clearly in there to offend you that i respect it even though the filmmaking is Uwe Boll-ish, so very Of course, shoddy. I
0: haven't seen the film, so I, I don't want to defend it. But, uh, yeah, well, I mean, if something is in there solely to offend you, and don't get me wrong, it sounds actually quite funny, but um, I like the idea of the Wild Bunch as enacted by children. Which but no, is the sort kids are
1: just victims. They're just caught in the crossfire.
0: Well that's kind of funny too. <laughs> but that's that's neither neither here nor there because some people might say that we are being hypocritical by thinking that's okay, by thinking that's fine and not having a problem with it because But and okay go ahead. Offending solely to offend is a little contrarianism and there doesn't seem to be any sort of I don't know but philosophy a, in it. That's
1: a, I think there is a philosophy okay. w- with that. Even though I don't want to sound like I'm defending Postal because overall it's not a good movie. Okay, but it is, it does deserve to be seen. I really mean that. Okay, and I do think it's the best film that Ivor Ball has made and the most personal. But okay, that doesn't mean much. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, but I think there is a philosophy to it. Mm-hmm. This um. Uh. I, I, there's no way to talk about that sounding... Or sounding uh, just dorky. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> um, but this idea of. Uh, I guess. Nihilism is a philosophy. Mm-hmm. The idea of wanting to destroy things, of saying everyone is awful and everyone deserves to be offended equally. You mm-hmm. know? I mean, the movie postal deals in stereotypes of any different race or religion you can think of. They're all stereotyped in really cheap ways that are not fair to any of them. Uh, But it's done with equality. Uh, I I, I do think it's a worldview. I I think the idea of, I I don't think, um, you know, there's a reason of is, who he is it's not just that he's a bad director right there's plenty of those i mentioned the change-up um but it's that he i think he takes a certain amount of joy in being seen as a bad director
0: oh very much so yeah i think so
1: and i think that is because of a philosophy that um i think he thinks if everyone hates him he's doing something right
0: last night It's odd that you bring this up. Last night, I was uh, listening to the forty-year-old boy, Mike Schmidt's podcast, and he was telling a story about when he was on Malcolm in the Middle. So I went online, and sure enough, I found it. I'm sure it wasn't—I didn't download it illegally, but I'm sure that it wasn't supposed to be on this website that I found. So I watched his episode, and in watching it, by the way, I remembered how much I loved Malcolm in the Middle. Like good episodes of that show can be solid. And so um, it also reminded me how much I miss the actor Kenneth Mars. He's awesome. So, anyway, and it's basically this block party. The, the, uh, what is their last name? I don't remember. I never remember. Do they? I don't recall. Anyway, so they all. Reese.
1: something. Witherspoon.
0: Gotta be with her. <laughs> <Yeah>. So our <laughs> thoughts <so> are with reason. <laughs> Re- so uh they they go off to um I don't know, some they go off to like camp or something, but they wind up having to come back early. And when they do, they find that there's a party going on on their block. Uh-huh. And they're like, Why did we never know about this? And they're like, Well, because we're always out of town. And they're like, Oh my gosh, that's crazy. And then they talk to some of the other people and the people are like, Oh, um, I, uh, you know, they hem and ha. and it comes to fi- come to find out, everyone on the block hates this family so much that they have a party when they're gone for a week, and it's the same week every year, so they have basically a week long party,
1: and specifically because they're gone. Yes, I love that show.
0: Yeah, and so, but then the uh, the family, each of them, you know, they all have a, their own story, and each of them they do something separately that makes. It sort of endears people to them, and then finally, uh, Hal and Lois they win a kielbasa eating contest, beating out Mike Schmidt, and uh, which is really something uh-huh. back then. And so, um, and the way in which they win is they win as a couple in love. I'll let you figure out what that could possibly mean, <laughs> and uh, and and suddenly everyone. On the block, they're like, these people aren't bad at all. This is wonderful. And in referencing a conversation early on, neither Hal nor Lois are upset with the fact that the black hates them. Because they feel as though we are providing a service. If everybody hates us, they're fine with each other. (laughs) And so suddenly everybody's fine with them and that's when everyone starts nitpicking with each other and everyone just it's just an all-out brawl and uh oh that's funny and in that way that's the first place my mind went when you when you talked about uve bull it's almost like he's trying to bring people together in how much they hate <laughs> him but also with postal he's you mentioned he's sort of an equal opportunity offender he offends every race and all sensibilities to my knowledge there are no cultures that are like children being murdered that's pretty good and so yeah. like and so like uh, not only is it pretty good but it's pretty awesome let's uh, especially when it's just a total bloodbath and so in having a scene like that that is so over the top and again i haven't seen it so like it, the concept is so over the top it's almost like he's saying, are you all offended? We're all offended now, right? Okay. So who cares? Like all these little, all the like each group getting separately offended at their own thing is like, okay, I've got one movie that will offend all of you and unite unite us all in our, not in our hatred of the film, but in our being offended uh, in it. Right. And so maybe <laughs> it's all, well, that. Here's
1: what we all have in common. That we are all offended by this thing.
0: Right. That's something uh, that was left I, out of uh, Kennedy's speech. You know, yeah. we all want good things for our children and that sort of thing, and we uh, all hate Uwe Ball.
1: But again, I don't want to. I keep saying this because we keep talking about it, but I don't want to pretend that Post is a good movie. Right. It's actually a very bad movie, but uh, intensely germane to this conversation. Mm hmm. Um. Now, okay. Another filmmaker, the center of getting broken down into uh, filmmakers. We went from John Waters to Uva Bowl. Uh, another filmmaker, as a who has far fewer films under his belt, but is definitely Charles worth talking Lime. about. Him. No, is um, Bobcat Goldthwait as a director? Okay, because he has um, done. Uh, I think he's he's comparable to John Waters in some ways, mm-hmm. but I think he's. It, in that I think he is again a humanist but I also think he's more into this thing we were talking about uh, I think that you brought up first maybe I did I don't know but about the idea of using it to put people off the guard and, and disarm them mm-hmm. um, because his movies uh, Sleeping Dogs Lie uh, World's Greatest Dad and then he's got a new one coming out that I can't remember the name of right. um, but they all start with something offensive right. and not not Uwe Boll offensive shocking. No. I don't know there's something shocking to it. But something that is really straightforward about maybe some sort of taboo. Mm-hmm. Sleeping Dogs Lie, it's about bestiality. Um, World's Greatest Dad is auto-erotic, auto-erotic asphyxiation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, this new one is about a uh, spree killer, like a, like a Virginia Tech type, okay. of, type of thing. Um And in each case, I obviously haven't seen the new one, um, but from what I understand, in each case, it starts with something very shocking Mm -hmm. that I feel like um, awakens maybe something or destroys something in the characters. Like, that's a wall that's down. Mm -hmm. So um, now we can deal with all this other shit without... Without that because we're disarmed by it. Although I mean it tend I mean, uh in World's Greatest Dad it's not everyone because only one person knows right how the kid how uh, uh the kid died. Did you see World's Greatest Dad? I did, I loved it. Yeah, me too. Um but um you know Robin Williams becomes a better person through how his kid died. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a process. It doesn't happen right away. Right. He actually ends up going a bit in the wrong way. Mm-hmm. But it starts uh, that sort of shock to his system. As we see at the beginning, he's a guy who is a school teacher who doesn't want to be. And uh, a writer who is who has been submitting and getting rejection letters for so long and so consistently that that's almost his job or his hobby is like getting rejection letters. And I, I I feel like maybe at the beginning he's lost his, um, ambition. Mm -hmm. He's just fallen into this pattern of like, I write a thing, I send it to a bunch of places, they all reject it. Mm -hmm. And that's what I do. Um, the death of his son, uh, awakens his ambition first in a bad way, but then eventually in a humanistic way.
0: Well, and th- and that's a really interesting movie to bring up in this conversation. I've not seen uh, *Sleeping Dogs Lie*, but I've heard it's actually very good. Mm-hmm. Um, because, su- okay, what happened? Robin Williams' son dies of autoerotic as- asphyxiation. Man, I it's wish a there was. A, I wish there was another word for it. It's fun so, when you get it right, though. Oh, I'm sure it's, it's a qu- good word. It's quite an achievement. But so his son
1: dies of that. Because here's a, here's, a, here's okay. the thing. All right. Because obviously. Obviously, By all means, let's go off on this tangent. Asphyxiation is mm-hmm. a difficult one, right? But starting it with autoerotic, which mm-hmm. has that weird thing with the two vowels crashing into each other, yeah. that you have to like, like, do a glottal stop. That that's where you, that's where I lose my mojo is trying to get autoerotic out. Mm. And I, if I, if I get through autoerotic, I'm not prepared for asphyxiation.
0: I think I should just. I think we just need to
1: ignore that e in erotic. Just say autoerotic. Which actually sounds delightful. Um, That was actually the uh, original name for Pixar's Cars. (laughs) There we go. Damn right. That was great. So um, I'm gonna get myself another beer.
0: Oh yes. The things you congratulate yourself with. You know, I've got stuff to say. All right. Yeah, but now I got to yell into the mic. Okay. So, um, but no, it's a really, it's a wonderful film because. He doesn't want people to know what his son did because he's ashamed mm-hmm. of it. He finds it offensive, and he knows that other people will as well. So he makes it look like a suicide. Suicide is kind of offensive, too.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I, I mean, it's not, it doesn't offend, like, like oh, that's gross. No one says suicide is gross. <laughs> um, but it does offend certain sensibilities, and but it's a much more palatable form of offense. And so first off, like, and it's one that we can all sort of get behind because like it, it allows us to, it allows us to project things onto that as the, as the film shows. And, and it's almost as if because this kid killed himself for maybe some sort of philosophical reason that makes what he did almost noble Whereas if he had died, since he died, seeking after something sexual, which is something that, of course, in society is played down, regardless of what the culture is, um, uh, what the specific cultures are. Um, And so in I don't know, the, the beauty of the film is the way everybody gets on board with this kind of this kind of offensive act. And only at the end is it revealed. Oh, by the way, you're all wrong. It was this, but it's still it's still a tragedy. What happened to my son is a tragedy. He was a jerk sometimes, but I miss him. And this is and he died doing this. Just because he did this, does that make him? Does that make him some sort of monster as opposed to some sort of poet or something mm-hmm. like that? Some misunderstood soul. And I don't know it, the the way bobcat goldthwaite uses our sensibilities as a society and sort of juxtaposes them with each other in that film is really is really fascinating and it's like why is why is one better than the other and it's all it's all about intention when in fact the act is still someone died someone effectively killed themselves now one uh, he didn't mean to do it but he also knew that that's a possibility Mm -hmm. in this reckless behavior and so I don't know it's it's a wonderful film Uh, listeners if you haven't seen it then by all means go see it but it it really does fit with this discussion because I think he really explores what offends us and why and maybe we're not being offended at the right things
1: so Uh, I want to wrap up here but I want to talk about um Trey Parker and Matt Stone. Because they're really good at being offensive, but mm-hmm. also, um, unfortunately, sometimes they fall back on just being shocking or gross, you know? Like... Um, do you ever laugh at, uh, when they're
0: shocking and gross? Usually I, not. I actually do sometimes.
1: Uh, I mean, uh, unless it's used like with that the one we, we had a long discussion about the recent episode, the mid-season finale, mm-hmm. which had a lot of gross shit-related stuff, but yeah. it was all for a point. But if you look at, like, the... I don't know. Would, have you, did you see the theatrical Team America or the, like, unrated DVD uh,
0: cut? Theatrical.
1: So in the unrated cut, like, the sex scene between the two puppets is way longer and they do all kinds of, like, yeah. crazy shit to each other. literally. Literally, yes. literally yeah. Um, I didn't laugh once at that. It's not right. funny. Um, and, like, like, there's... An episode of South Park that has to do with Jennifer Lopez, and she just sings about tacos and burritos, and then, like, uh... Yeah, but isn't it... Cartman, like, it's all, like, dumb... Isn't it Cartman's hand as Jennifer Lopez singing about that? Yeah. All right. And it's all just really bad, I get like, Latino stereotypes. I didn't Mm -hmm. laugh at that episode at all. Um, but they also, like, um, uh... If you look at the... was it called? The Imagination Land, I think it was. Three-parter. Yeah. Like, it has a terrorist attack on Imagination Land, which is so, like, disturbing. Yeah. So violent. And not only is it violent, because it's it's recreating things like uh, the beheading of... Uh, of What was his name? Nicholas Berg. Um, and, I think so, yeah. Uh, just things that aren't funny, but it's so brazen about recreating them. Yeah. And then also... In the way, like, offending us because it's happening to the fictional characters that we hold Beloved most fiction. here. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, like, a, a Care Bear gets, like, shot point-blank execution <laughs> style, and it's, like, super <laughs> gross and upsetting. Like, that's that takes skill to get mm-hmm. on people's skin. Uh, one of the greatest things that Trey Parker and Matt Stone ever did was their contribution to the movie The Aristocrats. Oh, yeah. Aristocrats is a bunch of people telling a really dirty joke. And most of it is just shocking. Mm -hmm. Um, But to me, far and away, the most offensive telling of the joke is the one that's done by the South Park characters. Mm -hmm. And it's because they understood that what's offensive, you know, this joke is decades old. And maybe the idea, like, talking about, uh, you know, uh, bestiality or like pedophilia or incest and stuff like people are not okay with that but they're they've been somewhat deadened to that yeah so the thing that you know is going to offend people today is to let's let's bring the victims of september 11th into the telling yeah. of this joke like that's it's really uncomfortable and offensive and um i guess i want to just end by saying being that offensive I'm a tough person to offend offending me takes some skill unless Mm -hmm. it's done
0: by a conservative or something
1: no unless it's done unintentionally this thing we're talking about Michael Bay or whatever that's just uh, that's more angering than offensive but to actually like uh, upset my sensibilities it's a pretty tough thing and I think it takes a a lot of skill and um, that's why I choose to think of being offensive as, uh, a positive or at least potentially positive thing.
0: Yeah, I think so. And, and I'm glad that you brought up the aristocrats cause that's the first one that my mind went to when, uh, when thinking about this topic, because the more I think about it, the more I realize that w- words can be incredibly offensive and they can re- they can be quite hurtful and they can incite people to do something. However, the person still chooses to do that. If you, if you hit somebody, that person has no choice to not be hit. Right. Um, right. And so like, whereas the the more I think of it and you know, having been raised in the church, you know, we're told that like, there are some words you can't say, there are some ideas you can't say. And it's like. Well, I do understand that some of the some of the concepts are just inherently offensive, but they are just words. It's just some... Like, I'm fascinated with the idea of people who find the aristocrats one of the most offensive things ever. It's like, it's just people talking. Mm-hmm. That's it. Right. And what's more is they're telling a joke. It's not even... It's not even... Uh, we talked with uh, Jay Sneak and we were talking about uh, Reservoir Dogs. And that scene with... Um, nice guy eddie who says like really some really hateful things
1: yeah both racist and homophobic yeah this is something for everybody
0: (laughs) and so um so that there's a character a full three-dimensional character and we are accepting the reality of the film and there might be people that are on board with that character beforehand and thus and then they're on board with what he is saying. The Aristocrats is never that. It's always, I'm a comedian. I'm telling a joke. This joke didn't happen and it means nothing. The whole point of it is how crazy I can be. And so anybody who would watch that and be like, how offensive that they're being so crazy. Well, that's the idea of it, but that's neither here nor there. The point is I, I am fascinated and words can be offensive, but at the same time, I don't know, the more I, the more I think about it, I feel like Go ahead. Words can be very hurtful. You all right there?
1: I've, hey, there's a fly in your house.
0: So Indeed. Um, words can be, I don't know. Do you, what do you think of, of what I'm saying? Because I'm not 100% sure what I think of what I'm saying. But because it, this, this is still forming in my mind right now, but also at this point in my life, that it's sort of that, I hate to put it this way, it's almost like sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. It's like, well, they can hurt you, but they can't kill you. They don't. They don't have to destroy your yeah. view of life.
1: Yeah, and also you have, you have to understand, like, if the point is to upset you, then that should make it not upsetting to you, right? Because mission should be, accomplished should is be all upsetting you can say. To you is if, like, it actually, you know, the idea of someone actually going out and beating someone up because they're gay, right? That should be offensive to you, yeah. Um, or the turn inter- to uh, bring it back to words, someone literally and intentionally inciting and, um, you know, being a proponent of going out and beating someone because they're gay. That's mm-hmm. where words can be offensive. Right. But this, I actually just was thinking about this, uh, um, contextual thing. Uh, because I was listening to WTF with Mark Marin in his interview with Andrew Dice Clay mm. and how Andrew, Andrew Dice Clay was talking about it, the height of his popularity, like gay rights groups and women's groups were like protesting him. And he was like, don't they know I'm a comedian? <laughs> yeah. And I'm not saying, again, I'd be like, like Uva Boll. Like, I don't personally <laughs> think Andrew Dice Clay Yeah, who know, are we coming funny. out
0: in favor of in this episode?
1: But I also think that I, I don't find Andrew Dice Clay offensive to me because right. he's just telling jokes. I don't think they're that great. Yeah. And, like, the just the general premise of the jokes doesn't tend to appeal to me. Mm. But he's a, he's a comedian. It's not... Right, he's not doing anything, and even then, and he's not the, inciting others to do anything. I guess that's that's where the argument comes in. That that's that true. People yeah, people are going to say. I as some people would say that, um, someone could mistreat their girlfriend because of something they heard Andrew Dice Clay say. Right, but my I, I thing is that person was probably going to mistreat their girlfriend anyway.
0: The, and that actually is sort of my my attitude is uh, the idea of incite. Like if you, I mean, if you specifically say. You should kill your senator, or something like that. Well, it's Mm -hmm. like, okay, well, there's that is offensive, but it's something deeper than that. Whereas, if when you say, like, oh, the senator's terrible, he's hurting our country, the minute he's out of office, we'll all be better off, and then someone's like, I can get him out of office right now. Like, that's that's a demented person, right? And it was only a matter of time before something happened.
1: You know what? Uh, it brings me to mind of something, um, with Red State out. A lot of which Chris, I just saw. A lot of Christians in general get sort of blamed for people like Fred Phelps. Mm-hmm. You know what? When Fred Phelps dies, like tomorrow or whatever, and he's like a million years old, um, a, yeah. Uh, everyone who hates homosexuals is going to keep on hating homosexuals. Yeah. If Fred Phelps never existed, if he, yeah. uh, you know, um, got run over by a truck when he was a baby, or if he. You know, came out of the closet because he's almost certainly gay. Who else thinks this? Who else cares and thinks this much about it if they're not? Um, I think. I think he's just good old fashioned hate monger. I think. Okay. You know, come on now. Um,
0: enough. Uh, enough. Uh, you know, psychoanalyzing uh, of this <laughs> guy. Come on, you don't have a degree. He's just but, a hateful person.
1: But I'm saying, if he had never become the Fred Phelps we know him, all the people who hate gay people would still hate gay
0: people. Right. I, like, if he dies, is everyone going to be like? You know what? (laughs) I don't know. Okay. Um, And it's interesting because uh, aside from the aristocrats, another film that I thought of when it comes to being offensive was a movie that, to my knowledge, you've never seen. Okay. Which is V for Vendetta.
1: I haven't seen it, but I've read... Okay. graphic novel
0: okay and which i haven't so i don't know how much there there is but uh, i do remember that um that there's a lot of and I, I i think i talked about this like episode three which you can find uh, which you can listen to if you pay ten dollars or more on the website uh, if you, you donate, if you donate i'm sorry yes um ten dollars or more donation so uh there's a there's a series of things that go on in *V for Vendetta*. It's a very good
1: movie. There's a lot of things I like about is it. it.
0: Uh, yeah, I like I like a lot of it. it. You know, I gave it two and a half three stars. Um, worth worth seeing. Certainly, Hugo Weaving's amazing. Would two and
1: it. a half three stars be something you consider very good. I feel like three and a half stars minimum is very good.
0: Three and a half stars is great. Four stars is almost perfect. Well, four stars, I guess, is perfect. Definitely. I know, but I, I'm, I, I don't like to speak definitively. <laughs> so three stars is very good. Two and a half stars is good. Okay. Two stars is when you get to fair, and then anything less of that is poor or terrible. So anyway, uh, so there's a lot of things that happen in the film that are not necessarily stated, but it's one could say, this is what we're talking about, the idea of inciting somebody to do something because in the film there's a lot of comparisons and it takes place in in britain but there's a lot of comparisons made to you know when it was made in 2006 to like the bush white house and you know conservative uh, government specifically that conservative government and uh, there's even sort of a bill o'reilly type character and so it draws those comparisons. There's no question about it. But then it also says that the only way to take care of these guys is to destroy the government. And Parham's like, hey, wait a second,
1: <laughs> like a film with a similar message that I did see and liked mm-hmm. is Shooter.
0: That's right. <laughs> that's right. But that's but that's that's anti not anti it's anti government in general, right? Like, whereas this is specific. This is this anti- needs to happen now. Okay. It's right. not anti the idea of government. This is anti Bush government. Get them, you know. And uh, the timeliness of it, uh, and the the righteousness of the character of V. It all. It just somehow it didn't sit well with me, because like if you add up the equation that the movie is saying, it's like, well, I agree with this. So uh, let me go get a gun. <laughs> um, which incidentally is much easier under the Bush White House. So. <laughs> Uh, or a conservative White House. I'm sorry. I've uh, <laughs> I've become fascinated by politics, and so I'll throw things out there that I don't even know if I believe, but I enjoy. I enjoy sort of uh, people like, hey, wait, did he just? Did he? Does
1: he think that? <laughs> I don't know. Well, let's, I enjoy it now. Let's wrap up with a tangent. All right. Do you ever go to? I can't. I might be getting the right name wrong. I think it's called Conservapedia.com or cons. It's like Wikipedia but everything is filtered through a conservative point of view and there's no, a list I there's lists on there is it of, a real thing or is it a joke It's a real thing. Okay. And there's lists on there of conservative approved See, I'm going to tell you this and it's going to sound like more like a joke, but it is real. Conservative approved or or conservative messaged TVs, movies, books, songs and stuff like that. And one of my favorite descriptions—they have a little descriptions of why they're conservative. Okay. And my favorite is—I think it's *The Sandlot*, and it's basically that like uh, it takes place in the '50s, and then in, in uh, parentheses, a simpler time in America's history <laughs> when, when boys acted like boys and girls acted like girls, and they were all communists. <laughs> it also—oh, it also says *Invasion of the Body Snatchers*. The original is a conservative film because it is. An analogy against communism, and my point of view is if that's the way you want to read it, because I think it's an, al- an analogy against McCarthyism. Yeah, <laughs> really? Yeah, you got to check this website out. It's crazy because I went to it because you know what? I like the you know you talk about people like Milton Friedman, but oh, you know, he's an yeah. economist. But in general, like uh, Barry Goldwater, I like mm-hmm. I like real conservative thinkers. Even I like disagreeing with someone who is very intelligent. Mm-hmm. I went to that website hoping to get that. And by and the way... it turns out it's just this dumb, like, uh... It's not so much conservative as it is wanting to hold on to, uh, white male dominance. Right. Like, there's nothing inherently
0: conservative about what the 50s were. That's just when Eisenhower was in power. Eisenhower yeah. power and Before is what I civil it. rights. Well, there's that. T- yeah. But... It, which is weird because, like, civil rights, like, that's, in my view, a very conservative idea is no infringement on people's personal, you know, civil liberties and yeah, stuff. Yeah, like it, it should be. But, um, but no, it's, yeah. Oh, and, uh, real quick, I do want to say there actually are a couple of the, of those types of, uh, conservative thinkers that are running for, pre- uh, running for president right now. Uh, uh they're not the front runners.
2: So, <laughs> um,
0: but yeah, no, that's, uh, that sounds really interesting. I think I would yeah. love that. It, for the same reason that I would go to that uh, that Christian website that reviews movies and Is just that get, Christian
1: Spotlight on the movies? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would I go went, there and just there get furious. Doing research for this episode, they had like a list of offensive films. Oh,
0: perfect. Why didn't I think to do that?
1: Um, but it was all, it was all ridiculous. Uh, I wish I could think of examples, but I can't off the top of my head. That's all, all right. right. Um, so thank you for listening before this computer... Uh, Craps out again on us. Yeah, uh, we are going to wrap things up. So uh, you can find us at com or on iTunes. You can email us. David at com or Tyler at com. Follow me, David, on Twitter at Twitter.com slash ThePretension. Follow Tyler at Twitter.com slash MoreLessons, which is the official Twitter of his other podcast, More Than One Lesson, which you can find at MoreThanOneLesson.com or on iTunes. And you can find my other podcast, the weekly television review show Previously On, at PreviouslyOnShow.com or in iTunes. So thank you very much for listening. And we'll get you next time. Bye. Bye.